your way back to your seats. Heard an echo there, but it went away. So good morning, everyone. My name is Donovan, as Danny just said, so lovely. And I'm the brother that gets to teach today, not the brother that gets to greet today. So I had been thinking for a few weeks about what I was going to share. And I may have even shared with some of you um, one person in particular comes to mind. What I was thinking about sharing, which is very different than what we'll actually be talking about today. And today, I really plan on just providing an intro um, as, as more track is laid out in front of me for where the Lord actually wants to specifically take this. But I really just want to provide for you an intro today, something to kind of spark not a new way to worship, but maybe a new way to look at our worship, all right? And so what you see on the screen is a popular expression, um, a Spanish expression. Um, I know it to be Puerto Rican, but you know, I'm sure if somebody else is watching online, you might go, no, it's Cuban or Mexican. Settle down. It's an expression. <laughs> and it may be similar to one that you've actually heard before, and I'll get to that later. Um, but what you see on your screen in Sam Jam aesthetic is the phrase, buen provecho. Why don't you try and say that with me? We'll practice the first word first, because I heard Michael say he wasn't passing Spanish in high school. So <laughs> let's focus on the first word first. So the first word is buen, buen, which means good, right? Typically it means good or well. Provecho. 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 Hey, muy bien. Now, I'm not fluent in Spanish, so that's about all the sermon's going to be. In <laughs> if you were worried, like, uh, one day I do hope to be able to preach a whole sermon in Spanish, but this is not that day. But the expression is really cool because it is used before someone is going to enjoy a meal, right? Customarily, it's said by a waiter or a chef. It might even be said by your dinner host, right? So the next time you go to a family dinner with the Kimmels, you might hear Ned say, buen provecho, okay? And what it's ultimately saying is that, it's ultimately saying that the person wishes for you to enjoy the meal. They wish for you to savor every bite. This isn't just like, hey, here's your meal, like in maybe a fast food context. This is something that'd be said in a more formal context, not necessarily a formal dining experience, but, but it's more of a, a respect thing than it is a you got your food now, eat and go away thing. This is, I really want you to enjoy this. I have prepared this for you. I have made it available. I'm excited that you get to enjoy it. And I really hope that you do. So this wouldn't be something you maybe ever hear at a fast food restaurant. 
This is something more so you would hear from somebody who really cares about you taking full advantage of the food that has been served. Now, how many of you are chefs in the room? Self-proclaimed chefs. Oh, don't do that. Where I say it, you think I'm going to expose you in some way. You don't raise your hand. Don't do that. I, I, we, we all know the people who contribute regularly to the potluck, and it's not bag, bags of chips, right? We, we know. We know who you are. You're trying to hide from me now. But when you cook a meal, when you host somebody, right, you may not say this exact expression, but the expression's in your heart. Like, I've had baked goods from Hannah Thomas, and I'm not looking at her to make her not feel uncomfortable, but I'm saying her name. I've had breads at her house that I know she has painstakingly made sure that they were warm and good and soft and hearty. She really cares about how the bread tastes, right? Or I think of another example, again, to put you on the spot, but I won't look at you so you don't get embarrassed. I know that my sister really strived to learn how to make Indian cuisine for her family. She wanted to make sure that Judah and the kids were able to have that food, even though they're in Indiana, not in, in, in India. They're in Indiana, Pennsylvania. But she wanted to make sure that that food was available. And it's a labor of love. She doesn't do it out of obligation. Oh, i got to make this food for them. I'm assuming, because I think I know you well enough now, I'm assuming that when you make it, you, you really enjoy when your husband loves the Indian food you make, right? And, and you'll, you'll go through whatever it takes to make that happen. And it may not be easy, because some of the cuisine I would imagine is pretty difficult to make, but you do it because you, know, you want him to know how much you love him. And I'm sure that's true of anybody else in the room, right? Even if you're not an avid chef, when you serve something, when you prepare something good for somebody, you want them to really, really enjoy it. If they leave too much on the plate, you might even be offended because of how much you've worked on this, right? Cass, you're looking at me as if like, there's an issue that you want to address. Okay, no. It's like, I hope he's not leaving stuff on the plate. All right. But when you make this food, like when you really like labor on something, you really want someone to enjoy it. And Buen Provecho is saying that. Now understand, it's not just about the food when you hear this. I understand this to be, and Google agrees, I understand this to be a person savoring not just the food, but the company that's eating with them. The atmosphere, the ambiance of the experience to savor every moment. Buen provecho. Now the first time I heard it, it was my second time visiting Puerto Rico. I was there on a mission trip with crew, really grateful for that trip back in 2017. And um, we were there for work. We were there to partner with some of the churches on the island. We were there to minister to some of the college students who uh, were displaced temporarily because of a work stoppage with the island's university uh, system, right? Their, their equivalent of what we would call PASHI here, right? our 14 state-owned schools. They were on strike. And so we were staying in Rio Piedras, which is their largest university, and we were there to interact with the students. We were there to support the local churches. We were there to do labor. But the last day or last evening of my trip, I had the pleasure of being able to check out Old San Juan and El Yunque. Now, El Yunque is a rainforest. It's actually the only rainforest in North America. 
okay? And so we got to check out El Yunque, and despite how hot it was, it was so cool under the trees, the, the canopy that was created, there was a beautiful mist, there was no humidity, it was wonderful. And then after El Yunque, we drove over to Old San Juan, and it, it just started to like really pound, like it was really raining, it was really a heavy rain, kind of like what we had last night and what we've had the last few weeks. And, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, we're not going to be able to tour the city, but it lets up just in time, and it was a little muggy, but, but bearable. And we got to walk around Old San Juan, and we went to this beautiful cafe. I'm really hoping it's there the next time I visit. And we got to go to this cafe, and I got to eat something for the first time called, ooh, how did I lose it? I lost it as I was saying it. That's not good. What is it? There we go. Thank you. I love you so much. It, it, it was like, ah, gone. Mofongo. Now, that's not indicative of the quality of the food that I forgot it. More so my staying up really late and preparing this message. But mofongo, I got to enjoy that for the first time. And so you might be familiar with some of the ingredients of it. But with mofongo, it is boiled plantains, both sweetened or ripened plantains and unripened plantains. There is a little bit of cassava. And they boil it and they mash it and they make this, this dome. And then they lightly fry the dome, right, of the maduros, which is the sweet plantains, and the platanos, which is the unripened plantains, and the the yuca or the cassava. They they, they mold it, and then they deep fry it lightly, and then they fill it with rice, and in my case, benin or roast pork. Maybe in your case, it might be camarones or shrimp. But they fill it with stuff, and there's a sauce that drapes over it, and then they put it on your plate as a dome, so you don't get to see all the stuff that's hiding inside. This isn't no Eaton Park lava cake, okay? (laughs) This is something altogether different. And you put your fork in, and all of a sudden, this warm air just kind of bellows out, and the sauce pours down. It cascades. I'm making you all hungry, I know. It pours out of the, 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 the sweet, crusty dome, and you enjoy it. And the, the server, he, he puts it on my plate, or he, he puts the plate down, and he, I, I'd asked, what should I eat? And he had recommended the mofongo. He said it was their best dish. And so he puts it down, and he looks at me, and he says, buen provecho. Dígame en inglés. ¿Cómo se dice buen provecho en inglés? Enjoy. It's like, cool, thank you. So he told me that it means enjoy. But I felt like there was more to it. Right, because I've heard waiters say it before, but it felt different when he said it. Like, he can tell that I was longing maybe to know more about my culture. He could tell that this was a special trip for me. I didn't say all those things, but I think he could just tell that this was a unique experience. And he wanted me to savor all of it. And despite the fact that it's almost six years ago, actually it's six years ago, because it was in May, six years ago since I've had that plate, I'm still enjoying the mofongo. I can still taste it. Do you have anything in your life, this is where you talk, do you have anything in your life that you enjoy like I enjoy mofongo? Anything? I'm not going to have you describe it like I did, but raise your hand if there's anything that you enjoy as much as, I, okay, all right, so, so what is it? I'm curious. Buffalo cauliflower tacos, specifically from the Outer Banks. So don't be trying to make them for <laughs> Cass. Outer Banks. Okay. All right. Cool. There was another hand. Where? Somebody was brave enough to put their hand up. 
Yes. Say it again. Michan. You guys tell me what that is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I plan on doing so. We'll take a trip together. That sounds delightful. Oh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that. You see, I butchered mofongo, so I'm not going to do that. But it's a thin steak that's, that's been breaded and served with vegetables, and it's a Hawaiian delicacy, right? What else? It doesn't have to be so exotic. Some of you just like really drink coffee at Commonplace, and that's your thing, right? Raise your hand if you're a Commonplace drinker. This is not a plug for Commonplace. They didn't sponsor this message. But you don't go there because it's just coffee. You can get coffee anywhere. We served coffee earlier. I don't know if it's still there, but we served coffee earlier. But that's not commonplace coffee. Dunkin' Donuts has coffee. But when you go there, you never feel buen provecho as they're serving you your little styrofoam container. You don't feel that. It's fast. It's get this and get out. Wait, give, it, give me your money first. It's, it's transactional. It doesn't have the same relational aspect to it. And so the things that you enjoy, you enjoy them not just because they sustain you physically, because they do something to you remember them in a new way. And I'm here to say, even though the expression is chiefly used in a food context, and if you were to use it the way I plan on using it today with a Latino, they might be a bit confused. I'm going to borrow the phrase and say that this, what I'm describing, should be our relationship with the Lord. That we should have a savor every moment, remember how it feels type of experience with the Lord. And I don't mean once, I mean on a regular basis. Buen Provecho calls for us to have not a casual or obligatory relationship with God, but to truly experience all of his goodness so much so that you won't stay away. See, because you can't get back to have the Michan this week, likely. Might be a little bit of a logistical issue. But with the things of God, he's available all the time. And Sunday won't do when you have a buen provecho type of relationship with the Lord. This meeting won't be enough. A few weeks ago, I remember, I think it was Judah, it might have been Bob, I'm going to give them both credit just in case it was one or the other. But they talked about how like our worship and our, our study, it starts out there. Like This is not the totality of the relationship that we have with God. But oftentimes, unfortunately, this is where it stops for most of us. And that's not a condemnation. That's not a me having it totally figured out. So I'm saying to you, you're messed up and you don't pray on Mondays. I don't know what you do. But I know I struggle on occasion if I'm allowed to be vulnerable and honest from the pulpit. I know that my reading level increases dramatically during preach week. And that the minute the series is over, and Alan and I talked about it this last night, there's a feeling of, I'm off the hook for a few weeks. I don't have to be so serious about this relationship. 
But the reason why I feel that in total transparency is because I don't always apply a buen provecho posture to my worship, to my praise, to my study, and that must cease. When I have, when you have an encounter with the living God, that will cease. You won't say any longer, I didn't read today. Let me go ahead and read real quick so I could just check off my my plan that I want to make sure I keep my streak going on you version. That won't be the reason why you're doing it. It'll be, I don't even want to go a day without spending time with him. It's the same posture we should have in marriage. Hopefully, posture you could have about work. I don't even know why I said that, because I definitely don't have it. (laughs) But there are things in life that we should be enjoying, but we're treating them as a chore. Relationships we have in our life that we should be enjoying, but we treat them as a chore. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you have a friend or a cousin you don't like talking to, but they always call you, but I know you have one. I know there's a person that when the phone rings and you look down at the caller ID and you see it, you go, ugh. But what would it look like if we actually enjoyed loving people the way God loves people? That's not possible until we enjoy loving him the way he loves us. And before I go on talking and all of that, I want you to actually venture over, because we're not going to be here very long again. This is just meant to be an introduction. I think the intro is going to be heavy enough. I want us to go over to Psalm 34, verse 8. It'll be on your screen if you don't have a paper or digital Bible available to you. And it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. This isn't a Dunkin' Donuts type of encounter with God. This is most certainly commonplace. This isn't a Wendy's type of meal. This is most certainly a cafe in old San Juan. God is saying, I want you to taste and see that I am good. And I'm going to tell you that we could, if we're immature, see this is just something we do at salvation. I've tasted and seen that God's good, and I decided to believe. I gave my life to the Lord on this date at this church, and like, I know he's good. He's, he's, he's good. He's, he's better than my alternative, right? Like, appreciate having God. It's really cool. And that can be where it stops. But he's too good. He's too amazing for us to have one encounter and say, that's enough. One encounter in a lifetime, one encounter in a week. It's just not enough if we've tasted. Because going back to the coffee reference, Michael, how often do you drink it per week? You don't know. I'm going to check your bank account. Okay. All right. Good. You've been disciplined. Pick the wrong victim. (laughs) But the things you enjoy, you enjoy them more often. And so our approach needs to change. 
Our approach needs to change where we say, I don't want to just taste once. Maybe coffee's not your thing. Let's, let's do this one. This is going to really make people blush. For my married folks in the room, how often do you say I love you? Once a week? Twice on the third Sunday of the month? I'm going to pick on the right person this time because Michael was the wrong person. Danny? Every day. There we go. You heard that enthusiasm? Say it one more time, sis. Every day. Every day. Scared to pick on anybody else. <laughs> Let's see. Carol? All right. All right. All right. You're like, I, I think we check. Yeah, I, I think we're good. Our frequency's all right. Zach, I'm going to leave you alone. Don't get nervous. Okay. okay, some days are a blur. And you got kids, man. Listen, listen. I get it because there's a lot of distractions, right? The thing is, and it's funny that we went there, there are a lot of things that hinder us from having this regular and attentive and consistent and sincere and genuine relationship. There's a lot of things that get in the way. And if you're not saying or spending time with the Lord, if you're not saying I love you and spending time with him every day, this is not, again, a condemnation. None of this should be anything where you walk away going, man, God, Donovan really judged us today. Donovan really beat us. That's not it. That's saying this relationship is so special that if you don't currently have this level of frequency and intimacy with the Lord, you can ask. See, because God wants you to have it. He's the one. Like David might have wrote it or fill in the blank psalmist might have wrote it. But understand where the invitation is coming from. God is saying, taste of me and see that I am good. He knows he's good. He doesn't need you to agree with him, but he wants you to know it, Harry. Because if you do, you'll actually spend time with him the way it was always meant to be. He always intended for him to have an intimate relationship with you. Sin and distractions and other issues get in the way, but he's saying, now taste and see, and let's throw away all these other things that might be encumbering you and being being able to come to me. I want you to taste this, because when you taste and see of me, you won't want anything else. Nothing else will be good enough. I tried to replace the mofongo, I promise you. I remember being in Berks County for work travel, and this restaurant in downtown Reading said they had mofongo, and I ordered it. It was not the same. I've tried to replace it. I can't. I know I have to go back to old San Juan or I'm never gonna taste it like that again. You can't go anywhere else and have a genuine encounter with the Lord. You can't, you can't go to anybody else and say, hey, give me what God gives me. No one else can give it to you. And we sometimes seek it in other places, but nowhere else can it be found. He's the only one that's truly good. You know some I people in your life, but he's the only one that is always going to be the same way. He's the only one that can provide you an experience that will always taste and see the same way. So he can say with confidence, when he invites you in, buen provecho. I can say, as someone encouraging you to have time with him, because I know what it's going to be like, 
I can say with confidence, buen provecho. You're going to enjoy it. And so we go away from this being a daily study thing to it being a, I want to spend time with my beloved. Now, you might be saying, well, Donovan, you are really stretching this, right? Like, this isn't that deep. But here comes the warning. And again, I warned you, or rather, I told you there's no condemnation, but here's the harsh warning. Can we hang out in Deuteronomy 31, please? Now, the context is different. Slightly, but I think the warning is applicable. Bob, over the last few weeks, has been talking about the patterns God has, and one of those patterns is that God takes us out of somewhere and takes us into somewhere. It's not just the out, but he actually places us somewhere else. We are going somewhere. So this warning given by God to Moses to say to the people is after they've been Freed from slavery in Egypt, after they've wandered in the wilderness, and as Moses' time with them is starting to come to an end, God recognizes that maybe he doesn't have all of the people's heart. And so they receive this warning from Moses. Now, therefore, write this song to yourselves and teach it to the sons of Israel. Put it on their lips so that this song may be a witness for me against the sons of Israel. Starting off really encouraging. For when I bring them into the land, flowing with milk and honey, which I swore to their fathers, and they have eaten and are satisfied and become prosperous, then they will turn to the other gods and serve them, and spurn me and break my covenant. Then it shall come about when many evils and troubles have come upon them that this song will testify before them as a witness, for it shall not be forgotten from the lips of their descendants. For I know their intent, which they are developing today, before I have brought them into the land which I swore. So Moses wrote this song the same day, and taught it to the sons of Israel. Friends, they had not yet taken on idols. They had not yet intermarried. They had not yet done any of the things, and yet God knew that he did not fully have their heart. And if we don't learn to enjoy and take full advantage of what God has for us, we will think that we can get things other places. We will go to lesser things to receive what only God can provide. My encouragement is not to enjoy God because that's what good Christians do. My encouragement is to enjoy God because if you don't enjoy him, you might enjoy something else. If you think about it from a food context, um, and my wife always warns me about this, when you snack before dinner, You might still eat, but you don't quite have the same experience with the dinner. It's not quite as satisfying. It might even be painful because you already (laughs) preloaded. And then you're shoving down the food. 
And the person who cooks it says, did you enjoy it? And you're like, yeah, 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 it was good, good. But in fact, you didn't enjoy it at all because you really didn't need it. You didn't have an appetite for it. Last week, when Bob mentioned the rest thieves, I, I thought about that as I was preparing this week, and I said, wow, those things, anger and doubt and fear and anxiousness, they don't just steal our rest. I think they steal our appetite. I think we find ourselves not going to the Lord sometimes because we have, our, we have had our fill of anxiety all day, our fill of fear all day. So there truly isn't nothing left, nothing left to give, no space, no bandwidth, no time. I've said it on multiple occasions that I would study if only I had more time and how much of a lie that is. Because I'm the one who controls my calendar for the most part. And I have put all of those things on my calendar. And I'm the one who is then saying, I just don't have enough time. I just don't have enough bandwidth. I don't have enough space. But it's because I have taken it up with lesser things. When they were given this warning, I'm sure the first time they heard it, they're like, we're never going to betray the Lord our God. Why would we do that? How do I know? Because they told Joshua such. Joshua in Joshua chapter 24 says, hey, you could choose for yourself this day the God of your fathers. You can choose for yourself this day the God of the Amorites for which land we're a part of. Or you could choose Yahweh your God. But as for me and my household, we will do what? We will serve the Lord. And so these same people that are warned who might have said, why are you warning us about this? They then say, and they double down, we're going to serve the Lord. And what do they do? True to the warning? They served other gods. All the best intentions in this room won't be enough. Only an encounter with God will make you crave an encounter with God. I'll say that again. Only an encounter with God will make you crave more of an encounter with God. Someone could have told me how good the buen provecho is, like the michun, but if I don't have it, I'm not going to have a craving for it. I'm not going to have an appetite for it. I'm not going to have my lips as wet as yours might be when you think about this dish. I have to experience it for myself. And no amount of preaching up here, no amount of yelling and carrying on, no amount of songs on the stage will do it. You have to have an encounter. And when you do, you'll be able to love God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your strength. This isn't a big, laborious task. This isn't something you can't handle. When you encounter him, you'll gladly give him more of your time. When you encounter him, you'll gladly give him all of your heart. When you encounter him, you'll gladly lay down those idols, but only when you encounter him. Your best effort, your I want to be holy, I just want to be holy, won't be enough. Only when you encounter him will you want more of him. I want us so badly to be able to describe our relationship with God in this way. And I know you're thinking it. I know you're thinking it. Some of you are saying, Donovan, your saying's cool, but we don't say that. We say bon appetit. 
I know some of you were thinking it when I first explained what this was. So I looked up what both of them mean because I thought it was interesting that we have these two saying, granted, they come from different ethnic and cultural backgrounds, but I wanted to know if there was any difference between them. Bon Appetit, I'm going to cover a little bit more next week, but Bon Appetit, if you literally translate it, means what? Good appetite. Well, I'm saying to you that sometimes we have a bad appetite because of some of the things we consume in our life. And I'm confident we could have a good one. Whereas Buen Provecho is saying, I want you to enjoy and take full advantage of. And I'm confident you can't have a Buen Provecho type of relationship with the, God, with Lord, with the Lord unless you have a good appetite. Which is why this encounter is so important. If you don't encounter with him, your appetite won't be reset. You'll find yourself lingering in places you shouldn't. Testifying again that I can find myself not reading, but man, can I scroll like nobody's business on IG? And IG gives me exactly what I want. Every time I scroll, they, they carefully curate the next thing, and you think it's by accident that you found that video that you enjoy so much. But as you look longer and longer, they know what you want, Harry. I know you're binging on that, too. I, I, I know you like your Instagram. You and Mary Lou in the living room, I know. And so as you look at it, you'll find that they know how to curate the content even more because that's how the algorithm works. It uses what you've given it, the information you've given it, how long you lingered in that place. It'll give you exactly that. And I do the same thing on YouTube Shorts, and I do the same thing with ESPN, and I find that my appetite hasn't changed for those things in that I haven't been able to lay them down because I haven't laid them down. It sounds overly simplified, but I promise you, I wouldn't be so hooked on ESPN if I took a week away from it. I could talk about how, man, I really shouldn't watch this so much, all I want, but until I shut it off, nothing's going to change. I'll always find an excuse to watch it some more. There will always be another game. There will always be another program. There will always be something that appeals to me. Now, is this message saying that I want you to give up everything and just pray? No, because that's not practical. But I am saying, if you say I don't have room for him, if you say, I I just don't enjoy studying that much, because I've said it, when I read the Bible, I just get so tired. I've said it. Until you lay down the other things, you won't develop a bon appetit. You won't have a good appetite for him because you have too good of an appetite for everything else. You crave the things that are causing your distraction. So we have to cut them off. And encounters with God will make you want to do just that. This isn't something where you have to work really hard, because if it were, then this message would be very condemning. If I sent you away by yourself and said, go love God well, you'd fail. But when you experience him and you truly see how much he loves you, man, you want more. I love that we sing, he's a way maker miracle worker, a promise keeper, a light in the darkness. Notice how we didn't say he does those things, he just is those things. Encounter points that out. 
When you meet the waymaker, you want more waymaking. It's weird how that works. When he's made a way for you in one situation, you actually might trust him to make a way in another. Give you an example. Felicia doesn't know this yet. Babe, my wallet, I found it. I couldn't find it for two days. And I've had this issue over the last few weeks where I would lose something and then I get really angry and then I say words I'm not supposed to say. And I get really frustrated and I feel hopeless. A few weeks back, um, I remember calling Jim and Jackie because I lost my little small messenger bag and it had my inhaler in there and my contacts and they're really expensive and I freaked out and I said words I wasn't supposed to say and I was panicking. I was right in my bedroom under a pile of clothes and I had not cleaned up and it serves me right. This was in the basket where we keep our keys in our wallet every day. But instead of me putting it down gently in the basket, I threw it in the basket and guess what? It did what things thrown do. It got lodged behind a book or a magazine or something in the basket and I didn't have my wallet. I was riding dirty for two days. You're supposed to have your license, people. But this morning, I told Felicia that I couldn't find it. And she said, well, babe, where do you think it was? And so my wife being my wife, she goes through all the things. She goes, okay, so when's the last time you've seen it? And, and what were you wearing? Uh, what color was it? Did I buy it? No, she didn't say that. And she's trying to help me figure it out. And in the past, I would grow frustrated with her and I would grow frustrated with the situation. But this time I approached it differently because I had just had a taste of the Lord. And so I said, I don't know where it is, but I'm confident I'll find it because God is faithful. And I stopped there. I had nothing else, no evidence that it was in the basket. I've already checked the basket twice. It was not miraculously appeared after I said this. It was there the whole time, but I missed it. I was looking with angry eyes. I was looking in frustration and fear. I was looking with anxiousness, feeding on those things, but none of that was helping me find my wallet. And then I say, God is faithful. He'll reveal to me where it is. He's shown me where things were before that I had lost. So surely he'll be to reveal to me where my wallet is. And if not, we'll get a new wallet. Cards could be reordered. This isn't something to worry about. My posture was different. And guess what? I could pay for stuff this afternoon. <laughs> if you taste of him, it builds your confidence and your appetite to taste of him more. The next time, inevitably, I lose something, I'm hoping this encounter is what I'm going to taste and remember. That this will govern how I behave. That this encounter with the Lord will lead to a more expedited encounter with the Lord the next time as opposed to doing all the same paces I always do. If you want something different, friends, you gotta put down what you got. You're not gonna be able to continue to have all the things you have that are causing you harm and have God in full measure. Something has to go. So let's start with encountering with the Lord this week. Not even tell you to lay down the things yet. We'll talk about your appetite next week. I'll bring kefir and kombucha for everybody. <laughs> Playing, I'm really not. That's expensive. But we'll talk about your appetite next week and how we can reset your appetite. But for now, 
I just want to encourage you to have an encounter with God this week to say, Lord, right now, I don't crave you. If I'm being totally honest and transparent, I don't. Lord, help me to crave you again. Help me to desire you like I once did. My desire is a little off for you, but help me to have it again. Take me out of obligatory worship and put me into enthusiastic worship. Take me out of I have to Bible study and help me to long for your word. Take me out of all of the distractions and the I don't have time for you and make my whole day available to you. Avail yourself to me all throughout my day. When I'm at work, when I'm putting the kids to bed, when I'm cooking, Lord, I want to see you and I want to experience you. That's something you can ask for because he already wants to give you more of him. So he's not changing course when you ask him for more of him. He's already intended to give you more, but ask him, because your appetite might be off. And if you say, Lord, I want more of you, guess what, Pat? What's he gonna give you? More of him. Doesn't mean all your problems will go away. Doesn't mean all your distractions will go away but he will give you more. Know this. Just because I'm the guy with the nice beard on the stage? No. Because of Psalm 23, verse 5. Let's go there and we'll end. Let's go there and we'll end because I love this. We're going to scroll down to verse 5. It says, I know I told you to give me everything, and maybe I'll cover everything next week. But yep, perfect, perfect, perfect. You prepare a table before me. I never caught this before. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I just focused on the table before. I thought I was really special and cool because he made a table for me. He was inviting me. I thought that was so dope. But you know what's cool? He doesn't wait until all my enemies are gone before he prepares that table. I just caught that this week, again, because of a fresh encounter. Because I'm thinking to myself, well, things at work are not great. There's murmurs about how they might let some of us go tomorrow. We might get an email about uh, restructuring and about furloughs and all of that, okay? Um, somebody just asked me this morning, how, how are things at IUP? And they said, what's left of it? And I thought that was funny, but I told them I wouldn't interact with it in the moment because I wanted to stay locked in. But the thing is, like, the enemies aren't necessarily the people who want to beat you up. The enemy is anything that hinders me from drawing closer to him. The enemy is anything, anyone, any place that distracts me so much that I don't have time or bandwidth for my God. But he doesn't wait until they're all gone to set the table up. He sets the table up and he says, Cass, you coming? You going to come enjoy? And he's laid out his goodness and his faithfulness, his kindness. He's laid it out for you to enjoy, for you to experience. But you have to choose to do so. So, Pat, when I say to you, if you ask the Lord to give you more of him, here's how I know with confidence. He's done it. But we got to choose. And the last time we enjoyed that table might be the only thing that gets us to go back to it. Not our willpower. You have none. Not our great character. Right? You have none. Not for this. Your discipline, don't rely on that. Think about the last time you were at his table and how good it felt. Because I can tell you, I've already booked another trip to Puerto Rico, and I did it off the Mofongo alone. You want to go back to the table with him? Think about the last time you were there. Because I promise you it was so good 
that all of a sudden it ain't going to be that hard to get back. Cass is already thinking about the Outer Banks. I planted that seed, so Matt, you better save some money. Right? Because when you reflect on the goodness of God, you want more of the goodness of God. So ask him. Ask him to remind you of his faithfulness. He will. And once he does, lay down everything else, every encumbrance that hinders you from interacting with your God. Lay it down because none of it's good enough. I've been watching ESPN for the past week, waiting for the announcement that the Heat have now acquired Damian Lillard. Guess what? We haven't. All this trade talk, they've been stringing me along. No trade, right? That's not going to satisfy me. Us getting a new point guard is not going to satisfy me the way that God can. It's going to help us win a championship, but it isn't going to satisfy me. Right? The Eagles drafting uh, the D tackle from Georgia. It, it's enjoyable, but it's not going to satisfy me like my God will. So I'm not telling you to lay down bad things. Notice, for the things that are evil, you should have already done that. We're not even talking about that. We're talking about the things that aren't dangerous on the surface. ESPN on the surface isn't dangerous, it's a sports entertainment programming. But if it's causing me not to spend time with my God, it is an enemy. And I have to choose to sit at the table despite the fact that it's looking right at me. So what are you going to put down? What are you going to put down when you think about the goodness of God and say, I won't let anything stand in the way? Will you put down your unforgiveness? Will you put down your anxiousness? Will you put down your family conflict for a moment and stop thinking about that person that you're beefing with, will you put it down? Because I promise you, none of that is going to satisfy you like God. So please, please, for your sake, not for mine, put it down and go to the table. Because once you do, you'll hear a cloud of witnesses saying, buen provecho. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you, God, that you have given us a taste for you. God, that you have shown us that you are good and you are faithful and you are kind and you are patient. Lord, that you've allowed us to recognize you because there are so many in this life who don't know you, who are not accustomed to you, who don't have a relationship. But God, we do. Help us to talk about you to everyone that's around us as if you are a feast that we've enjoyed, as if you're our favorite meal, as if you're our favorite sports team. Help us to talk of, about you with the same zeal that we talk about things that are lesser than you. God, help us to put our time with you first, Lord. Help us to cherish it, not to begrudgingly go to it. Lord, heal us of that. Heal us of the apathy of thinking that we can get to you tomorrow. God, we want more of you today. While you're available, we want to seek your face today. And Lord, we thank you that if we seek you, we will find you. If we knock, you will open the door. If we ask, we will receive more of you. So God, we will ask, we will knock, we will seek today. It's in your mighty and matchless name I say these things. Thank you, Lord, for leading this message today. Thank you, Lord, for leading the receiving of only truth. Anything else I gave God, help it to be thrown away. Thank you for leading the receiving of truth by your people, God, that they might draw closer to you. Thank you, God. 
Amen and amen.